Who or what do you trust? Webster defines trust as a basic dependence on someone or something, a belief that something will happen or someone will act in a prescribed way. If we think about it, we put our trust in lots of people and lots of things. In fact, I would argue that we need to place our trust in something or someone, and we do it every day. We often trust our families and our friends. We trust our employers that well, they will deliver our paychecks at the end of every month. We trust that Social Security will still exist when we retire. We trust our doctors to give us advice to stay healthy and treat us when we're sick. We trust our bank to keep our money safe and available. We trust our military and our police services to, to keep us safe. We trust our children's teachers and daycare workers to keep them safe. We trust the pilot to safely fly and land our plane. We trust our cars to get us to our destination. In fact, traveling in a car, if you think about it, is really a big matter of trust. We trust that bridge is going to hold us up as we cross the river. We trust that guy that we're meeting is going to stay on his side of the road as we go barreling toward him at 55 plus miles per hour with just literally inches between our car and his. We trust the other drivers are going to stop at that red light as we go cruising through our green light. We've trusted many people and, and many things. But all of these things have something in common. Sometimes they fail our trust. Other drivers don't always obey the rules of the road. Pilots and police and doctors, they're human and they make mistakes. Banks and companies sometimes collapse. Perhaps we've even felt the results of failed trust within our families and by our friends when our feelings get hurt and our confidences are, are broken. And so how do we cope with all of this potential of failed trust? How do we even sleep at night? How do we ever trust anyone or anything again? Well, the answer lies in trusting the one who never fails us. If we've been willing to place trust in people and things, then how much more should we trust God, our Creator? In John, the 14th chapter and verse 1, which will serve as our text this morning, Jesus urges his disciples to have an unwavering trust in God and in him. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Many versions say trust in God and trust in me. Trust is found in our solid belief that God will work on our behalf to bring about his perfect will for our lives. Jesus was calling his disciples to trust God through any and every circumstance of life. He was about to be crucified and, and they would be scattered. And he was telling them to trust even when they didn't understand because God was still at work. And you know, that's just as important for you and me today as Christians. We too need to have an unwavering trust in God. The idea for this lesson came from something that I heard Brother Trevor Calvert say in a prayer recently. He said something along these lines, God, we praise you, we thank you, we love you. And then he added, we trust you. And I don't know why, but that statement surprised me. For some reason, saying out loud, God, I trust you, is something that I don't think I had ever prayed before. Now, I had sung it many times, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus.'" And when I got a new Tennessee license plate, I chose the one that said, In God We Trust. 
But I confess, hearing Trevor's sincere prayer, it made me ask, do I truly trust God? Well, then not long after that prayer, I heard someone on the radio ask another question that, that made me really stop and think. He was talking about his children and being worried about them, and I didn't catch the specifics. Maybe he was um, worried about them while they were away at school or maybe worried about teenagers who were new drivers or maybe worried about their future, their education, their career, their, their marriage, their children. As I said, I, don't, I didn't catch the specifics, but as a parent, I can only imagine uh, some of the things he was worried about. But, but then he asked this question. He said, are the things that we still worry about, the things that we are most anxious about, are these the things that we haven't fully given to God? The things that we don't trust God to take care of. And that just kind of hit me in the face. We love our children so much, and we want the best for them. But we need to remember that as much as we love them, God loves them infinitely more. In fact, He loved them before we did. And we need to trust Him to, to have their best interests in mind. Now, that's not to say, of course, that we don't continue to pray for them and to protect them as much as is in our power. But, but there comes the point when, even with our children... We have to, as the saying goes, just let go and let God. Well, now that's easy to say. And we know it's true because the Bible has so much to say about trusting God. Uh, bear with me this morning because we're going to notice lots of verses. And if you're trying to take notes, uh, you may not have time to write them all down. So I'll be happy to share my notes with you if you'd like. But uh, let's notice just a sampling of verses that encourage us to trust God. As you might guess, trust was a common theme of David. After all, he was a man after God's own heart. And so in Psalm 37, verses 3 through 5, David advised us to trust God with our future. He said, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. Also, in Psalm 143 and verse 8, he wrote, let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. In Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4, David put his trust in God when he was afraid. He said, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Again, in Psalm 112, verses 6 and 7, he wrote that the righteous will never be moved. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Psalm 31, verses 14 and 15, David wrote of trusting God for protection. He said, But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, You are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Again, in Psalm 91 and verse 2, he wrote, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. And in Psalm 13 and verse 5, David spoke of trusting God for salvation. He said, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. The wise man Solomon also spoke of trusting God. In Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6, he wrote these Famous words about trusting God for guidance. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. and Do not lean on your own understanding. 
In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. In Proverbs 28, verse 25, Solomon wrote about trusting in God's blessings. He said, A greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be enriched. And in Proverbs 29, and verse 25, he wrote of trusting in God for protection. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Just a couple more. Uh, the prophet Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4, You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. And Jeremiah wrote in Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. We could probably spend a lot more time this morning pointing out verses that encourage us, if not command us, to trust God. And we'll notice some more of those passages in a moment. But, but as I said, we know we ought to put our trust in God. Sometimes, though, as we say, that's easier said than done. But why? Why do we find it difficult sometimes to trust God, to let go and let God, as we said? Well, let me share just a few reasons why I think we, we sometimes find it hard to fully trust God with, with every facet of our lives. For one thing, trusting God means that we have to admit that we are not in control, that we're not in control of our own lives. Whether that's pride or fear or self-preservation or, or human nature, call it what you will, but there seems to be something in us that wants to be in the driver's seat, so to speak. At least that's true for, for many of us. If you've ever played or, or taken part in a trust-building activity at work or school, that seems to be a, a popular thing now in some companies. They go on retreats or they have meetings where they uh, focus on being a team and trusting one another. But, but in one such activity, it's called the trust fall, a person stands with their back to another member of the team behind them and they lock their knees and they stand stiff with their arms to their side and then they just fall backwards. And they trust that person behind them to catch them and prevent them from falling. Well, as you can imagine, that's not easy being the person in front because if you can't trust the person behind you to catch you, then you could end up on the floor or you could end up seriously hurt. As I said, we like to be in control. It's one reason that I don't like to ride horses anymore. When I was a kid, I, I used to uh, think that that was the coolest thing to ride a horse. But it didn't take me long as I grew up to realize when I'm on their back, I'm not the one that's in control. They are. As I mentioned earlier, being worried about teenage drivers, and I was talking about being worried about their safety. But, but let me tell you, if you've never put your life into the hands of a 15-year-old who's behind the wheel for the first time, you can't imagine that feeling. I have great respect for driver's ed teachers, and, and luckily for them, they have a brake on their side of the car too. But again, you're not in control anymore. But when we trust God, we put it all in His hands. We let go. We fall into His arms, so to speak, and we must trust that He will catch us. And that's not always easy. Secondly, though, to add to this element of, of losing control, 
When we trust God, we're trusting and we're believing in someone that truly we cannot see. Sometimes we may not fully understand. Jesus said in John 1 verse 18, No one has ever seen God. Now, some people will point to that statement as a contradiction because the Old Testament tells us about a select few people, such as Job, who, who did see God. But even then, I believe they only saw a form that God allowed himself to be manifested in. I doubt that man, except Jesus, has ever seen God in all of his spiritual glory. But regardless, the point is that you and I definitely have never seen God. And so to put our trust in him, understandably, that's difficult. And then thirdly, trusting God is made perhaps even more difficult because it goes against much of what our culture promotes and teaches. American culture in particular preaches the virtues of independence and self-reliance and self-determination. From a very young age, we're told that through hard work, we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we can make something of ourselves. And we don't need anyone else. Maybe not even God. And so trusting in God is, is not always easy. It's one of those truths that we think we understand until, we'll, until we're called upon to do it. And then we discover that there's more to it than we realized. But trusting God is an aspect of faith, saving faith, without which it's impossible to please God according to Hebrews 11 verse 6. Without trust, our faith is inadequate. In fact, I would say that without trust, our faith is hard to distinguish from the faith of demons. Because the Bible tells us that they believe, they even tremble before God, according to James 2.19. But of course, they don't surrender to Him. In short, trusting God is essential to the Christian life. And so to encourage us to trust God and to grow in our relationship with Him... Next, I'd like to notice with you three reasons why we can and why we should put our trust in Him. Because of who He is, because of what He says, and because of what He's done. First of all, everything about God is trustworthy because of who He is. God is, in short, perfect. The Bible shows this great truth by, first of all, warning us about the the foolishness compared to trusting God, the foolishness of trusting in anyone or anything else, and then by describing for us God's unique character. There are many verses that contrast and encourage our trust in God versus things of this world. For instance, we're warned about trusting in men. The prophet Jeremiah went so far as to pronounce a curse on anyone who would put his trust in man. He proclaimed in Jeremiah 17 and verse 5, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. David learned that men will betray us, but that God is always reliable. He wrote in Psalm 118 and verse 18, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. One reason man is not reliable is because, just like us, he is mortal. David wrote in Psalm 146, verses 3 and 4, Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation, because when his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Proverbs 25, and verse 19 says, Trusting in a treacherous man in time of trouble 
is like a bad tooth or a foot that slips. In God's dealings with Israel throughout the Old Testament, He was constantly reprimanding them for making alliances with pagan nations instead of just trusting in Him. In 2 Kings 18 and verse 21, for example, He said, Behold, you are trusting now in Egypt that broken reed of a staff who will pierce the hand of any man who leans on it. Such is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who trust in him. David learned that military strength did not guarantee him safety or victory. He wrote in Psalm 20 and verse 7, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Similarly, the prophet Hosea wrote in Hosea 10, 13, You have plowed iniquity, you have, repeat, you have reaped injustice, you have eaten the fruit of lies because you have trusted in your own way and in the multitude of your warriors. We're also warned about trusting in wealth and riches, which are fleeting. The wise man Solomon wrote in Proverbs 11 and 28, Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. David wrote in Psalm 52 and verse 7, See the man who would not make God his refuge, but trusted rather in the abundance of his riches and sought refuge in his own destruction. Likewise, we must not trust in false gods. Isaiah 42 and verse 17 says, They are turned back and utterly put to shame who trust in carved idols, who say to metal images, You are our gods. Prophet Jeremiah equated such idolatry to trusting in lies in Jeremiah 13, 25. In fact, Solomon pointed out that ultimately we cannot even trust ourselves, contrary, as we said, to the American uh, belief of such independence. In Proverbs 28 and 26, he said, Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. In fact, if you think about it, trusting ourselves is perhaps the ultimate form of idolatry because we worship the creation rather than the creator as Paul puts it in Romans 1 and 25. But in contrast, rather than putting our trust in all these things, in anything created, we are called instead to trust in God, our creator, and for many good reasons. First, he is not a creature, but he is the eternal creator. He is not bound by time. He will never cease to exist. Furthermore, he's not dependent on anyone or anything for his existence. He does not need anything because Acts 17, 25 says he is the source of life and breath and everything. The Bible also teaches that God is all-present, all-knowing, and all-powerful, and that no one can stop his will. As David said, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases, Psalm 115 and 3. The Apostle Paul affirms that God works all things according to the counsel of his will, Ephesians 1 and 11. God's sovereignty is absolute. Nothing catches him by surprise. He knows the end from the beginning. As Proverbs 21 and 30 assures us, no wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. And so God, as we've said, is independent, all-sufficient, and He's all-powerful. But you know, that alone would not necessarily be reason for us to trust God, unless we were certain 
that he was going to put all this knowledge and all this power in our best interest, unless we were sure that he had our best interest in mind. But thankfully, in addition to these things, the Bible teaches that God is love. 1 John 4 and verse 8. God loves all his creation, and he cares for it in many ways. Jesus said that he feeds the birds of the air, Matthew 6, 26. But he has a special love and care for mankind, which he created in his own image. Paul says it beautifully in Romans 8, verses 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Besides the fact that God loves us, God is also holy, pure, righteous, just. There's no evil in Him. There's no inconsistency. No charge can be brought against Him. And God is all wise, which means that He knows the best goal and the best way to achieve that goal every time. And that's critical for us when it comes to uh, trusting Him. If we are to trust Him, we have to know that, that He knows what's best, that this world and our lives are on a course that's charted by His divine wisdom. God's wisdom is, is often difficult, sometimes impossible for us to see because we can't see things from His perspective. But at the end of this age, when we can finally see the big picture from the viewpoint of eternity, we will see that God knew what He was doing all along. And so these and, and many other perfections of God should produce trust in His people. As David says in Psalm 9 and verse 10, Those who know your name put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Secondly, though, God can also be trusted because of what He says. In John 17 and 17, Jesus proclaimed, Your word is truth. And I love what God said through the prophet Balaam in Numbers 23 and 19. He said, God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? In fact, the writer of Hebrews declares in Hebrews 6 and 18 that it is impossible for God to lie. God keeps all his promises, and he pronounces a blessing on those who will trust him. The Bible is full of, of what 2 Peter 1 and 4 calls his precious and very great promises. For example, God has promised never to leave us or forsake us, Hebrews 13, 5. To be with us always to the end of the age, Matthew 28, 20. He's promised He will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we're able, but with the temptation He will always provide the way out so that we may be able to bear it, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God does not promise extravagant physical rewards in this life, but He promises eternal life and a home in heaven for those who remain faithful. And those promises far exceed rather any pleasures of this world. And that alone should be enough to cause us to trust Him. Simply put, the rewards far outweigh the risks. But thirdly, God is also trustworthy because of what He has done. Throughout history, He has acted to carry out His plan of salvation. From the patriarchs to his deliverance of Israel and his enacting of the law, through the judges and the kings, down through the years, God has worked to prepare for the coming of his son. 
And then as Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5 tell us, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. We know that all four Gospels tell about Jesus' life and death and burial and resurrection, how He ratified a new and a better covenant for mankind. The book of Acts tells about His ascension into heaven and and the promise of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and the birth and the growth of His kingdom, the church. All of, these, all of these events fulfill countless prophecies through centuries of time. As we said, God has never lied, but He's always lived up to His promises. And everything He's done has been to bring us back into that covenant relationship with Him. And that's just a snapshot of, of what God has done and what He continues to do through Christ. That's enough to provide an anchor for us and to give us every reason to trust Him. Well, to help us learn what it means to trust God, what that looks like, the Bible gives us many inspiring examples of those who trusted God. One of the most extensive treatments of, of this subject is found in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, where we're told about the faith, might I add the trust, of, of a great cloud of witnesses. People such as Abel, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, David, Samuel, and many more. And from this list, we learn that the scriptures give us many examples of, as we said, what trusting God looks like as we live it out in this world. The New Testament also gives examples of men and women who trusted their lives to Jesus. And so when we need inspiration as to how to trust God, even in the darkest of circumstances, we only need to look to these examples and, and have our faith renewed. We could spend a long time this morning talking about these examples of faith. I won't right now, uh, especially since we'll be studying Hebrews 11 in a few weeks in our Hebrew study. But, but for the remainder of our time, I want to notice some ways that, that trust shows in our lives as Christians. In other words, how do we know if we trust God? What are some indicators that you and I are truly trusting God. Well, I think the number one indicator of our trust is probably obedience. Disobedience and trust cannot coexist. If we trust God, then we will walk in His ways because He is our God, and we will do what He tells us because we believe that He knows what's best. As the old hymn says, we must trust and obey, for there's no other way. Also, our patience is a sign that we trust God. Waiting on Him and His timing, especially if He delays or if He's silent regarding our prayers or, or the fulfillment of His promises. If He delays, it's for good reason because, as we've already pointed out, His actions are always based on His wisdom and His love. David had a lot to say about this. He learned very early to wait on the Lord. And this would be a good study within itself, by the way, waiting on the Lord. But I'll share just one verse. Psalm 130 and verse 5, David said, I wait for the Lord... My soul waits, and in His Word I hope. Waiting's not easy, but it shows that we trust Him. Another indicator of our trust in God is when we refrain from taking matters into our own hands. You know, too many people do things their way instead of God's way as if they knew better than God. Abraham, even though he was generally a very good example of trusting God, uh, along with his wife Sarah, he tried to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise of a son by means of 
Sarah's servant, Hagar. He tried to take matters into his own hands. And, and that's not how the promise would be fulfilled. And their actions had many consequences. But they should have instead trusted God. And, and so should we. Another sign that we trust God is our contentment with what he has given us. In Matthew 6, Jesus tells us to ask God for our daily bread and not to be anxious about what we will eat or drink or wear because he knows that we need these things and he promised that if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to us. And if we trust God, we should not be afraid or anxious. Isaiah 12 and verse 2 says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. Fear comes when we take our eyes off God and we start to look at our surroundings. In life, as the words of the 23rd Psalm say, even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we should fear no evil, for God is with us. In fact, knowing who God is and what He has promised and what He has done and how His people have always trusted Him in times of adversity as well as times of, of joy and abundance, that should lead us as Christians to to not only not fear, but to be bold and courageous in our actions for His cause. These are just some ways that we can measure our trust in God. But before we close, I also want to mention some, some misconceptions, if you will, some mistakes that people sometimes make when they evaluate their trust. First, we may have, some, we may have heard someone say, just have faith, as if trusting in God requires no reason or logic. This is sometimes used to, to dodge questions when someone maybe raises questions or is struggling with doubts. Without a, a clear understanding, this statement can, can easily be misinterpreted as if we don't need to question, that we should just blindly trust God. But God doesn't expect our faith to be blind or without reason. A firm belief in His ability and His reliability, as we've already mentioned, is found in the Bible. That reveals his character and his promises. And so it's okay to have questions. We should seek out the answers to those questions, though, in his word. The more we examine the scriptures, the more our trust in God will deepen. And we'll have more confidence to obey him, even if some of the things he asks us to do might seem uh, incredible to us. Another misconception is that we just need to count our blessings. That God's blessings are what make him worthy of our trust. Now it is important that we recognize and we be thankful for God's blessings, but that's just one of the many ways that God strengthens our faith in Him. In fact, there's a danger if we stake our trust only on His blessings, if we only trust God because of His gifts toward us. In that case, our trust is really not on him, the source of the blessings, but it's on the blessings themselves. And at some point, we may ask for something, and if God doesn't deliver it because it's not His will, then our trust may collapse. And so instead of basing our trust on what we want Him to do for our lives, the most concrete thing that we can anchor our trust in is what He has already done, especially in sending His Son. Even if God never gave us another blessing, that alone would make him completely worthy of our trust. And then thirdly, you may have heard the statement, Jesus, take the wheel, as if trusting God means I don't have to do anything. Now, the intention of this statement was a good one. 
to acknowledge and to embrace the fact that God is in control, as we've already mentioned. But that doesn't remove our responsibility or excuse our laziness. Letting Jesus do the driving, so to speak, doesn't mean that we can just go to sleep in the passenger seat and wait for Him to bring us to our destination. Trusting God goes hand in hand with being good stewards of what He has given us. And that includes study and planning and hard work on our part and then trusting Him with the outcome. I want to close this morning with the words of that old hymn that we've sung all our lives. But I hope that after our study this morning, these words will mean even more to us. We so often sing, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take Him at His word, just to rest upon His promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. I'm so glad I learned to trust Thee, precious Jesus, Savior, friend, and I know that Thou art with me, wilt be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I've proved Him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh for grace to trust Him more.